So 74,000 a year. 63,568. Yeah, 34.94 an hour for my W2 position, $55 an hour for my acute PRN position. Now I make $37 an hour. Um, that's after several raises. I am making $49 an hour for the 1099. Hello, I'm Megan Berg. And I'm Dr. Jeanette Benegas. And we're two SLPs on a mission to arm our colleagues with the knowledge they need to increase their pay and help elevate our field as a whole. Wage stagnation continues to be one of the major issues plaguing the field of SLP, and we are here to bring transparency around this issue. Each episode, we interview SLPs and ask direct questions about money so that all of us can use that information to better negotiate our salaries. If you're curious about what other SLPs make and want to know what you can do to make sure you don't get caught in the trap of never being paid what you're worth, this is the show for you. Welcome back to Other SLP's Pockets. Today we have a new guest that would like to remain anonymous. So we are going to go ahead and generate a random name for this person. And today our guest name is June. Welcome to the podcast, June. Love it. (laughs) Where do you live? I live in in Houston, Texas. I live like in one of the suburbs. And how would you define your race and ethnicity? I am Caucasian. And how would you describe your gender? Female. And what setting do you work in? I work in inpatient rehab. And including your CFY, how many years have you been working as an SLP? Almost exactly four years. Yeah, four years next week, so. Great. Okay, and then you mentioned to me that you have been on a W-2 contract and you are switching to a 1099. Yes. But for now, we'll just talk about your W-2 contract. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So how much do you make on your W-2 contract? Now I make $37 an hour. Um, That's after several raises. my starting rate was 22 was sorry 32 um and then i switched to a different branch of the hospital they gave me a dollar bump and then um i've had a few raises since then so in like 3 years i've had a 4 dollar raise or 5 i guess if you count the bump from the hospital okay and then you are transitioning to a 1099 contract with the same company yes Can you tell us what you're making on the 1099 contract and why you switched to that contract? So um, I am making $49 an hour for the 1099. Um, It's a spectrum of different options. Um, This is the least restrictive one, the least demanding one. Um, I have a lot more flexibility, so it pays the least of 1099 options. Um, I switched for family reasons. my possible, uh, the person who was supposed to be taking care of my baby had some health issues. So I had to just kind of become a stay at home mom, um, blessing in disguise, best job in the world. Uh, but, uh, now that he's getting a little more independent and it'll be 
safer to keep him at a daycare or it'll be um, okay to keep him at a daycare. He had some needs. Um, now I can start going back to work part-time again or PRN. Okay. And you say it's the least restrictive. Tell me about like, what does that mean? And how so is there are different tiers of PRN uh, depending on how much you're willing to work. If you're willing to work weekends, Saturdays, um, and then I think there's like a minimum requirement for the, the highest pay. Um, like you have to work a certain number of hours in each period and something like that. But with this one, I have a lot more flexibility. I can just be like, hey, I'm free these days. I'm not free this month. I'm free these days. It's it's a lot better for me for what I need. That's That's a really interesting PRN concept that I have never heard before but it's it's nice but yeah I mean usually it's just PRN is PRN and so that is why you're switching from a W-2 to a 1099 do full-time employees have the option to be on a 1099 or do they have to be W-2 you know I'm not quite sure about that I don't know any who are on a 1099 at our hospital at least but that's never really been something that comes to mind so you might not know the answer to this question, yeah. but with those different tiers of PRN rate, do you know what the highest 1099 rate is? I believe it's 52, but that okay. was a few months ago. I don't know if it's changed. Um, so when I thought about flexibility and that $3 an hour, it wasn't worth it to me or for yeah. other people it might be. And so let's say you chose the highest tier and you couldn't like fulfill those requirements, do they drop you down or do they auto terminate you? Do you know? I'm not even sure about that. I, okay. I'm guessing they would drop you down. Um, okay. One thing they've been great about is with PRN, there, there are some people who will come in like once a year. So okay. keep people on the payroll as long as they're yeah. not sketchy or bad. <laughs> I had a PRN job pre-COVID that I had really signed on like three months before COVID. And they had a rule that you had to work at, at least once every 90 days or you auto terminated. And so like I did. And then once COVID started and all the nursing homes shut down, it was a friend of mine and I both had PRN jobs there and we both got uh, auto terminated because they weren't letting PRN in, which was such a waste of like, resources even yeah. for them to sign us on for like background testing and yeah that's like <laughs> no I've technically been PRN since like December so okay and I haven't been able to go back to work yet because I haven't like I said my yeah stuff and but no they they are very kind about that they communicate really well so that is definitely something they do have good flexibility on we have many sponsors to thank for making this podcast possible. In the spirit of money transparency, we want you to know that each sponsor has contributed $250 for their ad spot. Half of this goes to our episode guests and the other half goes to Nishla in order to encourage students to listen in and gain the knowledge they need to negotiate their first SLP jobs. Hey SLPs, this is Meredith from the Informed SLP. A big part of advocating for your worth in the workplace is demonstrating your commitment to evidence-based patient care. But surveys show that SLPs in the trenches don't have the time or access to read journal articles. 
Our mission at The Informed SLP is to make it possible for SLPs with full caseloads to keep up with EBP. Our team of clinicians and scientists read all the newest research from over 300 journals each month, find the stuff that can improve practice, and write up concise, practical research reviews for our fellow SLPs. You can read or listen to the new content each month or search our database for the topics you need. Continuing education doesn't just happen in multiple hour courses. Instead, SLPs are constantly looking for information to help our clients thrive. Because of this, the Informed SLP includes a first-of-its-kind CE platform that lets you earn credit for that on-the-fly learning in minutes instead of hours. The minutes add up quickly as you use the site and we automatically report it to ASHA every month. It's a seamless way to get credit for the learning you're already doing. Know the evidence and build your confidence with the Informed SLP. Start now at theinformedslp.com. And is there any other difference in your, in the way that you function or work based on the different contract? And I'm just thinking things like, do you have to bring your own materials, use your own laptop, anything like that? Or is it kind of the same business as usual, just a different contract? It's, um, there is some difference. So every, um, every full-time SLP there has their own workstation, their own computer. It's very nice. We don't have to worry about sharing with other people. Um, and usually when PRN comes in, it's kind of the look at the schedule and be like, oh, this SLP is out for the day. You can use their computer. If not, there's a computer lab. Um, all of the materials are open for anybody's use, which is, again, really fantastic. There are a lot of good resources at the hospital. Um, one nice thing that I'm looking forward to is that full-time employees carry their own caseload, whereas the PRN employees just hover for people's caseload. And I know that um, it's a lot of the population I was working with was very challenging. Um, and I thought it might be a nice little break until I'm able to go back full-time to just kind of get to see a bunch of different types of patients and um, you know, everybody has a coverage folder. So you get to see, oh, this is what they've planned for therapy. How cool. I've never heard of this technique. Uh, so that's actually something that I'm really looking forward to and learning more. And then are you comfortable with me sharing the fact that you're working for one of the top hospitals in the country? Yeah, you can, you can say that. Okay. Yeah. So I, and I think it's, that's an interesting tidbit of information for everybody to know because there's often this dilemma that I think a lot of SLPs face where these these jobs that where SLPs want to work tend to underpay. Absolutely. Is that okay. So what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you know how much your colleagues make at like other facilities in the same area? Well, I do know that, and I think this is another one of your questions, but I'll address it now. Um, I took a big pay cut to come to my current hospital. Um, my CF paid $36 an hour, which I thought was good at the time, but now know that it's still not enough. Um, and I was a CF, so I was just psyched. I'd gotten other offers for like $29 an hour, 24. So yeah, yeah. 24 was for a rural sniff too. So I was shocked, just shocked. Um, wow. So yeah, but I I didn't love the hospital system where I did my CF and I really wanted to come back to 
the one um, that I currently work at, I'd done an internship there and um, I was willing to take a pay cut for that. So I, I knew already that we were getting less. And then I had applied for a couple of other hospital jobs that just had kind of a range. And one of them, it was like, oh, ranges from 80,000 to 100,000. One was like 90,000 to 110,000. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I wanted to work there so badly that I was like, eh, I'll just do it. Maybe these other places just pay too much and maybe they're exaggerating. And once you get the job, you don't actually get that much, but nope, <laughs> people are actually getting paid that much. And it's, it's tough. And there's always, a, it's very competitive to work where I work. It's, there's always somebody wanting your job. So uh, turnover has unfortunately been massive. It's, it's sad. We have lost a lot of good SLPs and some of them have straight up said in their exit interview, they, they ask you in the exit interview, what can we do to keep you here? And the, the girl who mentored me, she straight up said, just pay me as much as the next job is going to. And they said, oh, we can't afford that. Well, <laughs> part of my language, that's bullshit. <laughs> that they can afford it. They can absolutely afford it. Um, and I just think it's unfortunate that they're not committed to keeping, and she was one of the best speech pathologists there, hands down. It's really unfortunate they're not committed to keeping the strong members of the team and they're okay. Well, anybody else will take your job. We'll just pay them less and they'll come in. I think that's probably why they can do it. <laughs> it's really unfortunate. And we can't afford it. But that person isn't moving across the country. She's probably just moving across the town, which means that the reimbursement rate is the same for the same services, right? Like I understand state to state and even sometimes region to region, but that's ridiculous. It, yeah, it's, it really it's, is a lame excuse. It is. And it's, it's, sorry, this is a side note. You can edit this out if you don't want it in there, but um we had these meetings with one of our managers and they had just taken away our pump breaks or our paid pump breaks. So it was pretty much, you now had to clock out to pump and then you had to make up that time at the end. So not only are you not paying pumping moms for their pump time, but then they have to spend an extra hour away from their pretty much newborn. Fortunately, the pump law now negates that, but I brought it up in the meeting. I said they can afford to pay us for this. And she said, oh, you know, with all the overhead, the hospital doesn't really make that much money. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that they think we would believe that. We know it's crap. We know it's crap. They can totally afford to pay us more. Yeah, it is bullshit. I mean, you think about the institutional knowledge that an SLP who has been there for a while has all of the relationships that they have with the physicians, with the kitchen, the dietitians, the other therapy staff, um, the trust that they've built, the integrity and the reputation of the program that they've helped build, like all of that is invaluable. It's, you can't put a price on it. And just for like <laughs> a few dollars an hour, there's no way yeah. that they can. And I you know, do, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I do firmly believe that the person above me and the person who is in charge of like giving us raises, I really think she wants us to make more money. She, I mean, she bumped me from an SLP one to an SLP two, and I didn't even apply for it. She gave me raises when I didn't even ask for it. She wants us to get paid more, but her hands are probably tied. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's, 
she's doing everything she can. I really truly believe that she wants us to get paid more. She wants to show us that we are valued, but it's not up to her, not 100% up to her. Show you you're valued more than with a um, healthcare hero pizza party. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I wish pizza party. They always skip and get us like crappy salads and uh, they're awful. And I have reflux. So I can never eat the dressing. Um, (laughs) That, you know, you mentioned the pump loss um, can just for any of our listeners who maybe didn't know that existed or aren't familiar with that. Can you say what that is? I can say, I can say what I know and I might be incorrect, but um, I was just reading about it a couple of weeks ago and keep in mind, this happened while I was on maternity leave. So um, I haven't actually gotten a chance to experience it, but a few things happen now. They are required to pay you for your pump breaks. They're required to give you pump breaks. And it's really sad that this has to be specified, but they have to give you a space to pump in that is not a restroom. Because believe it or not, a lot of women are forced to pump in bathrooms. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. just horrible. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I know that it's required for W-2 employees, but it's not a requirement for 1099 employees. Um, I haven't had a chance yet to, and I know that it's only up to a year of nursing. So I'm going back past a year. So, um, and I'm planning on weaning my baby at one. Breastfeeding's hard, yo. Um, but I am not sure if they're allowing the same things for 1099 employees at the current hospital that I would have to look into. So we'll put a link in our show notes, but I did just look it up while you were talking and what you said was correct that um, nursing mothers to receive the right to break time to pump, but it doesn't say paid break time and a private place to pump at work and make other adjustments. So that would be, if you're going to be a, um, breastfeeding mother who wants to go back to work. That's yeah. something you should know about. I know um, I nursed both of my children and um, I nursed them until they were two and they were like back to back babies. So I was pumping for like four years at work. And at the one place I was working pretty regularly, I would have to sit in the therapy gym and um, sit on one of the PT tables and pull the, um, like pull the curtain around myself. Oh my gosh, so you're kidding like me. Patients in that gym. Yeah, yeah. I finally okay. found like a, a storage closet where then I eventually <laughs> just made that my office. Um, but for a while, yeah, I was, they're like, oh, oh you could just, you could just sit at, at that mat and pull up a tray table and pump oh there. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Terrible. And this was, he was born in 2018. So this wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> like this stuff goes on. I'd rather pump in the bathroom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just remember holding the bottle of milk like I was and I was like hiding it like it was a urine sample or something like society just needs to get past this this everyone's seen my boob at this point if somebody's been in my house for more than two hours (laughs) they've seen tit sorry it's it's gonna happen I have no shame baby's gotta eat yeah from the time I had my first one again four years to the time I was done nursing the second one, it went from like, everyone is fully clothed and covered to just like, we don't now this is what oh, yeah. no one's yeah. covering up. Now. I was bummed. I had to put <laughs> was, a shirt on for this It was interview. a journey. <laughs> <laughs> it was a journey. Okay. So sorry about that aside, but I think that's something oh, important that's <laughs> um, for, for compensation reasons for um, moms to be looking at. Yeah. 
Do you have a productivity expectation? If there is one, they've never mentioned it. Um, it's, it's so nice at no point. And I've had a couple of days since I've been in SLP, there's been one or two days where I swear all of my patients either are toileting and they're, they're still with the CNA. So I can't get in to do anything or they refuse, or, you know, they're too hypo aroused to do any therapy. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh, productivity, productivity. And I'll go downstairs and ask one of my coworkers. They're like, what are you talking about? Who cares? We don't have that here. It's if there is a standard, no one's ever bugged us about it. Um, since everything's scheduled, I'm guessing that makes things a little bit easier. Um, I know in the acute care center they do, but I'm not sure what the requirements are. Um, so thinking to your, when you were W2, not to the, um, 1099 work that you'll be doing, um, how, how many hours, how much did you work? How many days per week? How many hours? So five days a week, um, 40 hour work week, but they, um, allowed us over time, usually without question, they said you can have two hours extra overtime per week, but if you're going to go over that, just let us know. Um, I'm very much a, uh, I want to get home person. So without sacrificing quality of notes, of course, I tried to never go over that two hours. Um, but yeah, that's, and I've had coworkers who have had to go over the two hours and it hasn't been an issue. It's like if they have big projects or, um, you know, they had to sit in rounds, it's a lot of flexibility with that. They're they're good about it. Thank goodness. And that's that's really nice. Us. Yeah. They, um, we were originally salary when I got hired. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> feels like so long ago. And then within a couple of weeks, they had a meeting and everybody made a fuss that we were switching to hourly. And I was thrilled because we finally started actually getting paid for the extra time we were there. I don't, I still don't understand why people were angry. I was thrilled, but yeah, good that we can do some overtime. Um, and I'm assuming that overtime is time and a half. I believe so. Yes. It's not. Do you know if yes, you can know. go in, do you know if you can go into overtime as a PRN? I don't know that. I've made some big bucks over the years hitting overtime as a PRN for two yes. different companies. I've received multiple over $5,000 paychecks. Holy so crap. If you're Where hard up it? for some cash, maybe. Let's, find let's out because if they're paying the overtime and yeah. that's crazy to me like some companies that I have worked for they don't like their employees to go into yeah. overtime they want that you know they want you clocked out it has to be pre-approved yeah. but then you're paying a PRN to come in who's making yes. a lot more money more, so it makes yeah. sense to let your yeah. full-time people go into overtime um yeah. Or especially you're yeah. going to pay your PRN person. That happened during COVID with one of my companies. I was the only one who was allowed That's to travel in the state. Yeah. Um, so, in you know, all these, and I'm going to say girls, cause there weren't, I was never covering for uh, um, a, a guy SLP, but all these girls, like no one was getting their hours. And then they were sending me from nursing home to nursing home, filling no in when people were off because they had COVID or they were isolating. Um, what just send your full-time people, but yeah. it was like their policy that nobody traveled between buildings, but when their SLP was out, they still had to have coverage. And yeah. so I was busting it during, during yeah. COVID. I was all That's over nice. the state. Yeah. 
Well, the overtime yeah. is branch specific though. Um, when okay. I, the first branch of this hospital that I transferred from, they were very, very strict with overtime. It was a huge problem. And even after I left the other girls who worked there, we would meet once a month for happy hour. And I would get so angry at them because I saw it while I was there and they were still doing it, which is they would clock out and work for free. I refuse. I will not do that. I will not work for five minutes for free. Absolutely. Good for you. First of all, we're not paid enough. Second of all, they need to realize that our work takes more time than they think it does. And so our clinical coordinator had told us, just let me know if you're not going to finish in time. And so there was a day where I hadn't written a single note. I was coming up to my last patient. I texted her. I said, Hey, I need to work overtime today. Otherwise there's absolutely no way I'm finishing my notes. And bless her heart. She was like, Oh, I'll go see your last patient. You document. It's like, Whoa, all you have to do is ask. Yeah. Really just ask, what are they going to do? Say, no, don't finish your documentation. Like they have to budge. And we've been very lucky that my clinical coordinator in both hospitals has been, they've both been fantastic. At no point did I feel, wow, they're not for me, but you know, there's, I think there's a really important point there to like unpack a little bit too, which circles back to something else that you said as well about your company, letting go these really great skilled clinicians to hire someone who will take the cheaper offer, the cheaper offer. The yes, people are typically our new grads, CF or young clinicians, right? And I I don't have any data or proof to support this, but I assume many of them are working off the clock because they don't have the skills yet to write really solid documentation or to walk into a room and know exactly what to do for somebody or, you know, and so I really think with you saying, just speak up, just ask. That's so important, especially like if we have students listening who are going to be working in these settings or people who have just agreed to take CFs, you know, speak up for yourself. They're hiring you because you're saying yes to a cheaper rate, but you shouldn't be held to the same standard because you don't have the experience that someone who's been in the field for 15 years had and they let that person go. They could have kept that person and just paid them a couple more bucks an hour. So make sure you're speaking up for yourself because you don't have the skills yet. And and even if you do have the skills like you, um still speaking up because you know we're we're overworked, underpaid, just like you yeah. said. And it's gonna take all of us speaking up to really start making these changes. I agree. I'm very proud to say I have never ever worked off the clock. I will not. It's I mean, either gone to a patient's room to like say hi to a family member or they have questions and I've already clocked out. I've been like, that's okay. But I'm not going to be like, oh, shoot, my eight hours is up. Let me clock out and keep going. I, yeah, no. I find that people do that. They need to stop. They really do. It's harming all of us. Yeah. The other thing that can happen with overtime is things get shuffled around. So this is something to be aware of as a new clinician. This is fraud where maybe the OT has a lighter schedule. So we're going to give more minutes to the OT so that the PT or the SLP doesn't have to go into overtime. And that is not patient-centered and that is fraudulent billing in some sense, in some cases, or just fraudulent care. So something to be aware of. So what about PTO? Um, 
when you had a lower census or if your schedule was lower, were you required to take PTO to get paid your full 40 hour week? What did, what was the PTO situation like on the W-2? Yes, but it rarely happened. Um, and since there were so many of us, it, they would kind of, they had a list and they said, we're just going to go in order. First, the, what, when I worked there, um, it only happened maybe like three or four times, I want to say. And they said, so first we're going to email out and ask if anybody would like to take PTO on that day. And if not, then we have a list and we're just going to go one by one. The next time this happens, it's this person's turn. Next time this happens, I was fortunate. It never happened to me. I never had to take, I had to take PTO once or twice. I actually offered because I needed a day off, but um, yes, it was there. But since it was such a big group, it barely affected us. I do know that during COVID, the beginning times, um, I was still at the other branch, but people in the med center were having to take a lot, a lot of PTO because of that. Um, fortunately, I, I missed that wave of it, but it, it did happen. They just wanted everybody to be able to keep their jobs. And this was the only way they had for doing that. Um, every once in a while, they would say, it's your choice to either just get the day off or use PTO. So it was nice to have that choice when it was offered. Was your PTO all wrapped up like sick time, personal time, just all into one package holidays? Was it, was it all in one group or were they like sick holidays? Was it all separate? It was all separate. Um, and we, kind of got to choose when to use certain days. Um, we just had to submit it and see if they approved it for that specific reason. Yeah, and did anything carry over from year to year or did you lose yes. time off if you didn't Carried use over. it? I believe it all was of it, all of it. It was up to a certain amount. Um, but that amount was like a crazy high number that I, it would have taken years to I, I can't remember that number of how high it was, but um, I saved up like a hundred and something hours of PTO for um, just so that while I was on my maternity leave after the, however much that they do pay for was done that I would have some PTO to cover me for a while, but yeah, it carries over, which is so nice. And when people leave, do you get paid out on paid that out, PTO yeah. that you haven't? Okay. Great. The problem is that it's hard to take PTO. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that, that I wanted to take my birthday off, for example. And I started working there like nine months before or eight months before. And there were already like several people taking PTO. So I couldn't get my birthday off. It was like, Jesus, this is so far ahead. Like, I can't believe. So that's a common complaint, but I kind of get it on the one hand. On the other hand, it's so far in advance. Y'all can find PRN people. But That's what I was just going to ask. That's part of the benefits package. Part of the benefits package is being able to take that time off yeah. when you need to take that time off. Yeah. And that's why we have PRN. Like That's why we have it. It was a bigger problem. Um, the first branch where I worked, we had a very, very tiny team. And I was working uh, Tuesday through Saturday. So they gave us mental health days. 
And this was before I'd accrued anything else. So I just had like one mental health day and COVID had just started. Everything was so stressful. I was crying after work every day. I requested three times to take that mental health day and it got rejected three times. And then at my 90 day meeting with our manager, I was, it was almost embarrassing, but she was like, oh, you're doing great. This We're so happy you're here. And then I just like burst into tears. I'm like, y'all give us a mental health day and then don't let us take it when we need it. What's the point? But she, she let me take it after I cried. It's just yeah, when you can't use your PTO, what's the point? When you can't use a mental health day when you need it most, what's the point? <laughs> Not helpful. During my, during my CF, I was working in a private pediatric clinic and I got really sick and we all had to work late one night till 7 p.m. And it was that particular day. I, I had a full load at the clinic. It was a long day. I had to take off because I was so sick. And thankfully the doctor got me in and they cultured me for strep and it was negative. So when I called off that morning, my boss had said to me, you have an awful long day to be calling out from work today. And I'm like, I'm half dying. I'm going to the doctor. So culture was negative. So she like guilted me into coming back. It was a Thursday to coming back in on Friday. So I worked sick on Friday and I was oh sick all God. weekend. And Monday, I was still sick, still but sick. I went in and the doctor called me at work. I was in the middle of seeing a kid and the doctor called my work number to say, they pulled me away from the patient to say, you have a staph infection in your throat. It is oh highly gosh. contagious. You have to leave work right now. You can't be working okay. with kids. And they called it an antibiotic, which I picked oh up God. on my way home. So I took it that night and the next morning. And I said to my boss, I guess I'll be in like on, on Wednesday. And she said, oh, no, you can come back tomorrow. And I said, I have to be off. Like, I need to be on this antibiotic for 24 hours. And she's like, well, cool. if you're taking a, a dose tonight and a dose in the morning, that's 24 hours. So we'll see you tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> How did people like that become bosses? It's so frustrating. She was uh, several years later, she was fired. So it wasn't just Good. me. Um, but yeah, I Terrible. mean, as a new clinician, I couldn't even stand up for myself. You know, I didn't have the words or the fight in me, or I just didn't, you know, it's your first job. You're just thankful to have it. But I was really, and then as I was leaving that day, she was following me around with Lysol wipes, like wiping everything down. And I, I was just like, this I asked the doctor, how do you how do I even get something like this? She said, you probably got it from one of the kids didn't yeah. wash your hands before you ate or something. So like I got it from your office in the first place, lady. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. My hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Taking those days are hard. And then you feel guilty because then, yeah. you, you know, we're all people who care. Right. So our kids aren't getting serviced or our adults you know, cause in a situation like that, there wasn't PRN, those appointments just get canceled and you feel bad, but we still have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. That, that I definitely felt a lot at, at my job. I was very sick at one point and I just, my patients were all really, really hard to cover. And I had people who covered my patients telling me they're hard to cover and they're very specific. And so I just felt terrible. And I was like on day five of being horribly sick and I coughed in the office. And one of the girls was like, 
get the hell out of here. Like, what are you doing? And my poor, like clinical coordinator didn't even know I was sick. And I go in and she's like, you sound terrible. Go home. What's wrong with you? Like, that's, that's what we need is people who are encouraging you to go home when you're sick. Opposite, just, that's terrible. I can't believe you had to go through that. I'm sorry. I thought with COVID, like we had kind of turned a corner as a society of like stopping the workaholism and gaslighting people when they're sick. <laughs> but I feel like we've just gone right back. Yeah. We yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that would have been nice though. Um, okay. Should we talk about cost of living in your area? Yes. We are asking the same three questions to everybody so people can get a sense of comparing what your cost of living is to what you're making. So how much is Target paying per hour where you live? What is their starting wage? Um, when I checked, it was ranging from like $13 or like $12.95 to $19 um, for like higher up positions. So not too bad. But starting around $12.95. And then how much is a gallon of gas, a nearby gas station? $2.98 most recently. Not too terrible. And then how much is a two-bedroom house in your area, a house that you would want to move into that isn't a huge fixer-upper? That's a tough question because you can move like, like if I if I do it near where I work, which is like 20 minutes away, it almost doubles, sometimes triples, like within a few miles of my workplace, a two bedroom, like my parents live near where I work right across the street is a crappy two bedroom that, well, it's, it's fine, but I think it's crappy. Um, that went for like 800,000. Uh, yeah. But in my neighborhood, there are like three, four bedroom houses that go for four 500. So, um, that's a big range. A lot of people in the medical center live in my neighborhood because it's so much cheaper. And so here you, yeah, I would say probably like anywhere from 350 to 600,000 in a reasonable distance from where I work. Sorry, that's not helpful. It's a very wide range. That's great. And are you happy with your salary? No, no, I'm not. It's such a bummer. I don't want to work anywhere else. I want to stay here and get paid more. I love the, the work we do is so meaningful. It's such a shame that such a small thing is getting paid makes such a big difference. <laughs> What would it take, like, what would you want to get paid? What would you feel good about getting paid there? I would feel good about even in the like 50 to $60 an hour range. I think we're worth at least that much. Um, like I said, we have a lot of very specialized things that most other SLPs don't even know what they are. And it takes a lot of training and it prepares you for other jobs, but you don't want the other jobs. And it's, it's not a place I would want to leave. We have such good resources. Never once has a radiologist been like, Oh, another swallow study. 
stuff like that. It's nice to not have to worry about that. The doctors respect us for the most part. A couple of them are dicks, but um, most of them are nice. Uh, Yeah, they just need to pay us more. And you're talking about like you specialize in trachs and vents and some of the more medically fragile conditions like that. Um, Yeah. Do you do you work to get any certifications and does your employer recognize any certifications and pay more based on any certifications? They don't pay more based on them. We do have a little budget. Um, we have a budget for courses, uh, and then we have a budget for certifications for certifications. If you get it approved ahead of time, they'll pay for it, but you have to stay there for a certain period of time. Otherwise you have to pay us back or pay them back. Um, but no, they don't pay more. Sometimes they'll like request, they'll be like, Hey, does anybody want to get certified in this? We don't have enough people and they'll cover it. Just it's, it's nice. If they're requesting you get a certification like that and you leave, do you still have to pay it back? If they're the ones asking you to do it? Yes. Yeah. So something I, I recommend, especially since I work with students a lot who are getting like relocation offers or like sign on bonuses is, I always say, go ahead and take that money, but then put it aside until you're, you've exceeded whatever the amount of time is because life happens, right? Like, you know, I had a baby and didn't plan on leaving my, my first faculty position. And then something came up for my husband to move us back home where I was from. And, you know, that meant our kids were going to know our families. And while I didn't plan on leaving, we did. So you never know when that stuff is going to happen. So I always say like, if you're, if you're being offered money, take it, but make sure you have in the bank what you need. Or if you're like relocating, have that money or save money every paycheck, because if you don't like it there and you want to move back home, they're not paying for you to move back home. So (laughs) just a little tip. I always give new clinicians when that kind of stuff is offered. Another tip, take all these courses as a student. I took everything I wanted as a student. It was so much cheaper. MBS, IMP, like AMP care. I'm having trouble remembering them, but there were a lot like McNeil. I took all the courses that I was interested in as a student and they were all so much cheaper. So even passing Muir has these like in-person treatment classes. And I think it was like 25 bucks for a student. It was, it was great. So I, I got a lot of big certifications out of the way when I was, when I was uh, young and still had fire in my heart and now I'm all burnt out and crap, but you know, it's <laughs> worth it. Do you think that the content that was covered in those certifications should be included in your grad school tuition price tag? Yes. I look, I, I went to a great school, but it was not good for medical. And I wish I'd known that. I will admit I went into grad school as an idiot. I was like, I'm just going to do voice disorders with adults. And then I was like, oh no, I hate voice. What am I doing? And I didn't realize my school was so pediatric focused. Um, I learned everything that I learned in my externship. Like I learned more in the first month of my externship about what I do now than I learned in all of grad school. And I wish they would include more stuff like that. Like there was a course that you would pay extra and do the MBS IMP. That was like the whole course. But why do you need a course to do that? Like it's- That's not sufficient. So we do it, our, uh, Megan, you might not even know this, 
my students get a couple certifications in my dysphagia class, and that is included in their course fees and tuition. Um, so they're not paying anything. Now, um, the university that I teach at is a little more expensive, but they all also get GAs too. So they all have packages that help compensate them for their tuition. So there are some of us out there, but at my previous university, um, you know, students can be seeking that kind of stuff out and asking those questions. If, if the yeah. places they're applying to do interviews, they could be asking if those certifications are part of the program and if they have to pay for them out of pocket or if they're covered. Uh, my previous university often, requ- and down to the very end, was asking me to take content like MBS IMP out of my courses because the students complained that they were too hard. So we have this issue in our fear, fear field where people complain that grad school doesn't prepare you. But then when people like me try to prepare you, the students yeah. complain that it's too hard and they don't want to do the work. Yeah. Um, I always refused everywhere I, where Good. I have taught. It has, they have yeah. always been part, a part of my class because I'm really committed to preparing students. Yeah. Now, this is the first place I've worked where we cover it out of course fees. And I, I think that's really great for them. We, they go through, they go through the, um, step program, um, the swallowing training education portal. Um, they have something, they do tubes to tables, which is uh, NICU feeding and swallowing certification. Wow. And then they do MBS IMP. That's fantastic. All covered. They should mm-hmm. all do that. All grad schools should do that. I don't have any of that crap for my grad school. They were like, here's a book, read it uh, here, pay $75. And then you can kind of do this course during class. If you want to pay attention crap. And my book is is a handbook that they can use. I don't use a textbook. I use a handbook that's on the market that that was written for clinicians. So they can use it if they're going to be med SLPs, they can use it at their job. That's yeah. They have to pay for that though, because that's the quote book. I didn't, I, when I went through, I, there were no paid for certifications, but it was a long time ago too. Were there even certifications back then? I don't know. Not like today. Yeah, it can get expensive. Do you know right. how much you paid for grad school? Uh, yeah. So it, the original cost was like between eight and ten grand per semester for five semesters, but um, with like grants and scholarships, I probably paid about half of that. But I'd also how long for ten years before that. So I'd saved up enough money and I'm so happy to have graduated debt-free. And so that was, you said you've been in the field four years. Is that what we mm-hmm. you said when we started? So that was like six, seven years ago that grad school was that much? Yeah. And was it public or private? It's public. And I was a resident, so I got the resident rate. Yeah. Not too terrible, but. What advice do you have for other SLPs when it comes to applying for jobs and negotiating salaries? Actually negotiate your salary. I didn't, I didn't negotiate at all. I was just so thrilled to get to work where I was getting to work that I was like, I'll take it, whatever. Like, I just want to get back to that hospital. Um, Just know your worth. Just try. I, I'm bummed because, you know, there's a girl who started working there after me who has less experience and she negotiated and was getting paid more than some of our like SLP threes who had been there for years. And we were 
I heard that and I was like, crap, that's so unfair, but good for her. Just negotiate, know your worth. The worst they can say is no. And I know that I've always been like, oh, I'd be so embarrassed being like, well, I would prefer something in this range, but so what? Embarrass yourself in the interview. Like it's usually just HR. Just tell them you want more. Yeah. Do you have tips? Cause I need them clearly. Um, so I was thinking, I don't know if we're done with this interview yet, but man, has this been working out for me? Um, Every episode, I prepare a negotiation tip that we usually wrap up with. And for a couple of these episodes, like they have just like flowed right in like like we planned ahead. The negotiation tip that I chose for today was don't accept the first offer. So the employer's first offer usually is not their last offer in business. Negotiation is expected. Um, they win if you take the first offer because they're going to offer less than they can afford. So a good way once an offer is given um, is to thank them for the offer. Let them know that you'll reply like, I just need 24 hours or 48 hours. Or, you know, if they're making the offer on a Friday, you can say, you know, I'll get I'll get back with you by Tuesday and then use that time to really think through the offer, um, you know, make comparisons with what what other people in your area are getting is are you willing to take what they offered you because in some in some cases really they have made their best offer not every company is is lowballing um so if if what they've offered you is their best and final are you willing to take that is it worth it but always come back with a counter offer you have to it's expected um people in business do it all the time um, and you're only shortchanging yourself if you don't do it. That's my tip for today. I need that. And then I, this might go off the rails and we can cut this all out if it's not relevant, but I um, was thinking about June, you were talking about how your boss's hands were tied. And I'm just wondering, like, is there an opportunity for you all to organize, not as a union, but just organize as a group of SLPs who have the same employer and somehow go beyond the person who has their hands tied? Well, um, they know. Whoever is beyond that knows. We have a survey that all employees have to take every year and it was so, the results were so bad the last year that I was there that they like met up with all of us in small groups. And all, the one thing that almost everybody said they were not satisfied with was the salary. But I mean, what can we do? But if you have tips, if you want to teach us how to like gather together and barge into the CEO's office and be like, give us money or give us higher quality pizza, at least when you treat us, come on, then, uh, please, <laughs> please, I will take that. Get it us. with bacon and <laughs> sausage instead of just bacon. That sounds great. <laughs> um, we did, we did, um, I don't know what order these will, um, Aaron, but we did, um, an interview where we had a consultant come on and she did actually talk about um talking to sweet seat level executives so you'll have to listen awesome. once we start dropping episodes yeah but i am curious for anybody listening 
like I'm I have to imagine there are groups out there who have gotten together and managed to negotiate something on the premise that there's power in numbers and that when you have people that are organized again not in a union sense but just sort of like we could all not come in on Monday like is there any way to negotiate from there but I it's sad that we have to get to a point where we're like abandoning our patients yeah it's we all care too much Uh, why can't SLPs just be bigger assholes so we can get paid more like come on just we're not going to come in sorry patients oh I guess we have to pay you more all right any other thoughts before we sign off no but I'm excited y'all are doing this I look forward to hearing other people's answers as well to these questions yeah thanks for sharing all your information with us Absolutely. Look forward to getting texts from my coworkers being like, is this you? I recognize <laughs> an obnoxious voice. Yeah, I, I didn't hide things very well. <laughs> you also haven't really said anything negative against your employer. I mean, it no. sounds like they know what this problem is, right? Yeah, You're just calling I love them. them out. They just need to pay yeah. them more. I love yeah. them. Yeah. It's all right. They, they can do it. So they should do it. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next time on Other SLP's Pockets. I knew that only because of the fact that my father was an individual that was like, you cannot be enslaved by work. Work cannot enslave you you have got to make sure that your financial choices have nothing to do with the labor you put in. Those things do not correlate. Your value as a provider has nothing to do with money because it's invaluable. If you like this podcast, please be sure to share it with your SLP friends and continue the dialogue together. The more of us that are having these types of open conversations, the more likely it is that we're all going to be paid what we're worth. If you would like to connect with Jeanette and me, you can reach us via email at hello at otherslpspockets.com. You can also find us on Instagram at otherslpspockets. pockets.